Set a spark to your integrated business and marketing strategies with America's top entrepreneurs and business leaders here at Integrate and Ignite with your host, Lori Jones. Welcome to the Integrate and Ignite podcast. Holly Gage is a UK-based marketing consultant. She has worked in B2B marketing for almost 20 years. As head of marketing, she developed marketing strategies and executed campaigns across Europe, Asia, and North America, living and working in Singapore and the UK. In 2014, Holly moved into consulting when she joined Salesforce partner Blue Wolf, part of IBM, as head of marketing services for Europe. There, she helped organizations to make sense of marketing technology and and use it to improve the way they engaged with their customers. Holly left Blue Wolf last summer to work as an independent consultant and now helps organizations apply the right strategies and practices to their marketing and technology. Welcome, Holly, to Integrate and Ignite. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, I tell you, I've been looking forward to this. We, of course, chit-chatted a couple months ago, and, and I knew that you'd be a perfect guest on the show Tell us more about your background and what really keeps you buzzing about marketing these days. Yeah, so as you said, I've been working in marketing for a long time now and really focused on B2B marketing, which is really my passion. I started out in sales in B2B and hopped over into marketing almost 20 years ago, working in the events industry for a long time. And then back in 2008, 2009, whilst working for another organization, my sort of marketing automation journey started. And I think that was the next sort of uh, the next marketing passion that that bit me um, when we as a company I was the marketing director for a trading and development consultancy at the time and we implemented Eloqua and um, and it you know revolutionized what we were doing and it was great to see that sort of journey because I come from a direct marketing background so I had been working with building lists and data and databases and really sort of trying to do personalized marketing for a very long time and it was only when we got technology sort of caught up with us and finally we were able to start um, delivering a much more personalized approach to our marketing. You know, and it was so, great. Yeah, it, it is. And, and there are still a lot of people out there that are using marketing automation not to, you know, its full potential. And of course, we'll get into some of that later on. But, you know, it's not just a glorified email program. The customer journeys that you can define and control and convert into sales are really very, very spectacular if managed correctly, which I think is a, is a misnomer with the way in which a lot of people talk marketing automation. Yeah, exactly. And I think the thing that we all have to remember is that, you know, the customer is very much in charge, but they expect you to, you know, they expect you to know them in all these different places. They know that you've got the technology, so they expect you to not be talking to them with, you know, three different voices. You are the same company. And if they've spoken to you and said, you know, I've got an issue with your service, and then suddenly they get a message from another part of the organization saying, hey, come and buy something else from us. They going to wonder why you know you're talking to them with two different voices right you know it's it is so much more than a um an email platform um and i think that you know customers are on multiple channels you only have to look at how quickly somebody would jump onto twitter when something goes wrong to complain because they know they're going to get an instant reaction and so they expect that from the company as well right i i always say that every marketing technology platform there i mean there's so there's thousands now to choose from but when a company ultimately gets to the point of um engaging with and truly using a, a marketing platform to the fullest extent 
we, we all become better, smarter business people. We are intimate. We know so much more intimately um, what makes our customers tick. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, I'm interested, exactly. you have worked with some big guns, um, some big, big companies over the last many, many years, and you've transitioned into this entrepreneurial consulting role, which is fabulous because you can work with so many different brands. What are some of the most important decisions that you've made in that transition? And, and what is it that really keeps you excited about this business and industry? Well, it was a big, I mean, it was a big transition for me. I was really enjoying my role at Blue Wolf, um, but it just something, it was, I, it was like I'd been bitten by a bug and mm-hmm. about six months before I left and I thought you know what I could I could try working for myself I've not worked for myself in in 20 years this is a fantastic opportunity and then I can start to you know, continue learning really start determining what it is that I want to focus on I had great experience and so I left la- last summer for um, a couple of reasons one was I wanted to keep you know I wanted to sort of take control and, and determine what it is that I want to do. But I also knew it was going to be, um, I, I'm someone who needs to leap first and then decide. I leapt and then I thought, right, what am I going to focus on? Because what I've been focusing on in my career were two big areas. I'd been head of marketing and leading teams from the inside. And I've been a consultant, very much focused on helping companies get the most out of their technology. And I'm still passionate about both. I didn't really want to leave either one behind. So I took the summer off, which was great because another for reason you. for me... Yeah, well, Another reason for me to do this was to be able to, um, I've got two seven-year-olds and I wanted to be able to spend some, see them a little bit more. I had three hours commute each day up until that point. And so I wanted that flexibility of being able to continue working full-time, but doing what I want and closer to home. So I decide, so I have the way it sort of worked out that I've decided, actually, I don't want to give up either one of them. Um. I'm, I'm working on projects where one project I'm head of marketing for a B2B organization, which is great. It's great to be back on that side of things. Other projects, I'm working as a um, marketing automation consultant, helping companies get, you know, really consider how to get the most out of how they're using the technology, like have a strategy. Think about how it's fitting to what they're trying to achieve as a business, rather than just be led by the, the capabilities of the technology. Right. So, yeah, it's we've been, got to lead it. Yeah, exactly. Well, and you've defined so much of what I love about the, the agency business and the fact that we're constantly working uh, with a different client um, with different needs and different solutions, you know, every other minute of the day. And it's really what keeps the energy and the excitement and the enthusiasm alive from a marketing standpoint in, in people that really live and breathe it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the best things that I did, first of all, was uh, was get in touch with and talk to a lot of people who I had not necessarily had, who I'd worked with in the past or I knew through different roles who i just hadn't necessarily had time to speak to because you know when you're working full time and there's there's only so many hours in the day and I it was a good opportunity to reconnect with people find out what are they doing learn from them understand you know there's some people who've gone it alone some people hadn't just really stop and listen and do it in real time you know face to face in real life not just online and it was just brilliant I really um, appreciated the time that um, everyone gave me and as a result I now of course make sure that I do the same with other people exactly it's just a sounding board you know sometimes people need that and we forget to do it 
They do. Now, at the end of the day, um, all of our roles here are to develop customer count and, um, you know, through the inquiry. And we're going to talk a lot about that uh, with the marketing automation solutions that ultimately lead to increased revenue, right? Mm -hmm. What is one of the biggest roadblocks that you continually face and how do you overcome them or consult with your clients on how to overcome them? One of the biggest issues is I find lack of data, lack of insight. And also, there's, there's, the buyer behaviors are constantly changing. So I'm very much talking here B2B marketing, which is my, my passion, my area. What, what I find is if I'm working with an organization, and the first thing they want, to, you know, they want to increase revenue, but without that insight, without that data on, on their buyers, it's a, it's a difficult place to start. So what we have to do is there's no way of skipping around it. You have to sort of start with, right, okay, how are we going to start collecting that? Mm. What are the processes that we need to put in place so we can start measuring? Let's start talking to the buyers. Let's start asking them directly. Talk to sales. They're having these conversations all the time. Let's find out where, you know, what the customers are struggling with. And I find that without that, if we don't gather that data and that insight, and there's ways of doing it, you know, quickly to get things up and running and then you build on it but without that it's very difficult we um when i was running the marketing at forum we used to run win-loss debriefs so when there was a customer either a new customer or a new loss then what i would do is do a half an hour phone call with that oh nice that contact and it was great because it was like doing a it was like doing a detailed persona interview in a way. I was finding out why they chose us or why they didn't choose us, what's important to them. And I got so much rich information out of that that it actually started to influence our messaging going forward. And it's and all it was was a you know half an hour call every time that there was a new new win or a loss. You know, and I love the fact that you mentioned talk to sales all too often organizations lead sales and marketing uh, very independently of one another. And marketing has messaging going out into the marketplace that they feel can influence and drive inquiry. And sales is talking to customers in the marketplace in a completely different way. So there's no alignment. Ultimately, we want to be pulling in from a messaging standpoint what sales is doing to help close so we can deliver better, warmer leads to the funnel. Exactly. And we're all trying to do the same thing. Right. I know. Now let's stay on um, sales here for a second. What are three communication tips that you've learned about connecting a sales driven vision of executive leadership to the more creative components of marketing and growing a brand? I think because we're both trying to achieve the same thing, we're trying to grow the business. Um, I think that the most important thing is really demonstrate the impact and the relevance of what it is that you're creating. So marketing is creating um, components you know, the creative content for a reason, which is that they want to build awareness and effectively close more opportunities. Um, and being able to demonstrate to sales, right, tell them how are these components help, going to help you to do that? How is it going to help you to generate more leads or hand leads over to sales faster or to support them as they close opportunities? Are we helping their cold conversations feel a little less cold, for example? So, I'm, and I'm, I'm very much an analytical marketer, so I'll often refer back to the data and the results. 
Plus, I started my career in sales. So I know that, you know, it's not a sales doesn't do it alone and marketing doesn't do it alone. We do it together. Well, and with that, the messaging side, as as we've uh, proven here, is so important. And we all know that good strategy starts with the competitive differentiation, the positioning and the messaging. What process have you deployed to develop messaging that truly differentiates and builds top of mind awareness? I really like using bio personas as a start starting point. Um, I mean, they are just that. They are a starting point. But I think that what they should be, a continual work in progress that we enhance and add to. So I've done this a number of times. And what I like about this is it brings everybody up to speed pretty quickly. You certainly have to engage sales and other client-facing part of the organization. I I tend to work with consultancies. So sales and delivery, the client-facing part of the organization and the people that you know, I want to talk to them about who our clients are, what are, they, what are their pain points, what really keeps them up at night, what are, what are they interested in, what are they trying to achieve, how can we support them? Um, and I think using personas as a starting point, they're a great tool for keeping everyone focused. Um, I always ask, for example, if someone's writing a blog post or any piece of content, who's this for? Which of our personas is it for? Why is it relevant? And what do you want them to do with this information? Um, And I think that when you start to have other people coming back to us, which happens quite quickly with, you know, we'll say, um, right, we've got this new campaign running. And then if you've got something in sales, says but which personas are it for mm, what you know nice. why are we doing this and i think brilliant it's starting yeah. to resonate it's starting it becomes to get cultural it. at that point exactly right and then it's really all about making sure your messaging is focused on your audience and trying to get everyone to think back to the audience the customer and not product out or service out yeah i love it Now, building, as we know, building an integrated approach uh, takes many, many different types of media. It could be owned media, earned, shared, paid. uh, And then we've got outbound, inbound as as a part of some of the marketing automation as well. What advice or two or three tips, rather, can you provide our listeners regarding how they should build their approach? I think the biggest one is to make sure you're aligning your marketing to your business strategy. I think that helps determine the approach um, and it, it sounds obvious but it's not always um, you know sometimes we get down into the weeds of it and it gets detached um, I think that also marketing technologies had such a big impact on how teams are structured and consequently how teams build their integrated approach to marketing there's not really a one-size-fits-all um, I mean in my experience companies will often employ a blend of outsourcing some ideas, some tasks whilst delivering others themselves, in which situation you need someone who's going to bring it all together. So I think that that's fine and not, you know, like I say, there isn't a one size fits all. So you're going to try, you're not going to be the same. But I think that as long as you've got somebody who's bringing that all together and communicating that and making sure it's aligned back to the business strategy, then that, that, they would be my tips. Now, what do companies need to consider when they're integrating the marketing automation component or platform? I think, again, how is this going to support their strategy? Mm. Um, It's really dangerous, and I see lots of companies sort of start to go with the technology-first approach and think about the capabilities of the technology or buy it because it's the new shiny technology and it can do all these great things for them. But actually, um, one great example is, have you even got the right data? Um, Mm. People talk about all sorts of um, new technologies, but actually data is at the heart of all of it. And if you haven't got the right data in place, if it's not clean, if it's not structured well, then you're going to fail. You need to get the basics right. 
So I think um, there's that. There's the considering also, do we have the right team skills in place? If not, what do we need to do to get them? Do, is it a case of um, the training on the platform? Who is going to be the power user? Who's going to support that? Because adoption is where a lot of companies fail with their marketing automation uh, or any technology. And also just considering what other technology has in place. So how is it going to integrate with the CRM and how is it going to support and drive what marketing and sales are trying to achieve? Right. Now, how, you know, there's certainly issues that, that come up along the way. Uh, what are some common issues that you see with companies that maybe have marketing automation in place and, and um, they just need to, to make sure that it's moving along correctly? I think, and I think this is, there are a lot of companies in this place now because marketing automation has been out there and is in widespread use. I've seen that companies tend to plateau. So they go and they embark on it with great intentions. You know, someone's got, everyone's got trained on it and we started to use it and then the emails have gone out and then as they've got confident, more and more emails and campaigns have gone out. But there's often a lack of governance structure, um, by which I mean that around the campaigns. So if you imagine any one of your contacts could be contacted by you, be getting you know five emails a week because you don't know you don't know what campaigns are getting picked up on. They may be in your regular newsletter campaign plus a few automated nurturing campaigns. Having the right um, governance structure in place can ensure that you're talking to your contact at the right time with the right message um, and not sending them all sorts of things that you, they're not interested in. The other thing is that I've found companies will even a year later still be using um, their email service provider as well because they're not quite confident enough to use the automation they've kind of gone it alone and they've had other priorities as well because if you try and if you try and set up automation whilst doing 10 other things something's going to drop it always does. Now, uh, you, you mentioned um, governance structure. What is a good starting point for companies to really defining that? I think evaluate. Yeah, it's a good question. I think that, first of all, you need to evaluate your priorities. Again, it's, it keeps going back to what are we trying to achieve here? What are our results so far? What's working? What's not working? Let's look at how engaged our customers are and let's look at how often we're talking to them. And when and are we sending them that right the right information mm-hmm. so I think it's really evaluating the, the messaging and the content against the customers and grouping them kind of have to group them a little bit I think to be able to measure the different stages but looking at where they are in the buying journey um, based on their behavior that's great um, and, and you know I, I say this all so often or all too often rather on this show but it's always about test and scale test and scale yeah and, you know, I think all too often people test and abandon, test and abandon, and which I guess could be an important piece of that. But scaling that sometimes can, in tweaking along the way, are what ultimately, you know, can lead to incredible inquiries for, for sales to follow up on and, and close. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now, what is one of the, thinking about customers here, what is uh, one of the biggest challenges that you face or that we face uh, in creating the loyal customer base that we're looking for i think it's really engaging the audience we all have so many we have so many pressures on our time we don't have there's so much going on there's so many people trying to talk to us trying to sell to us and it's difficult to engage the audience plus um, i read a stat in salesforce that 65 percent of business buyers are likely to switch brands if a vendor doesn't personalize communications to their company. Uh, so, you know, it's customer engagement is also, CEOs rank customer engagement as a top priority as well. But 
it's you know it can be so tricky for marketers they're dealing with a lot of um, channels that are brand new um, didn't even exist five years ago and they're trying to find their audience and engage with them in the right ways and the audience is constantly moving and constantly changing yeah they sure are now what uh, moving into some challenges here um, outside of customers and let's just talk marketing here for a second and and really marketing direction uh, what is one of the most terrific what is one of the most difficult scenarios you have encountered in your marketing role and how did you overcome it I think that one of them the one that sticks out for me happened probably about 12 years ago or something like that and I we in a previous role um, I remember that whenever we went to the sales team and said, right, here are our new campaigns and this is how many leads we're going to generate for you. And then the whole conversation would get derailed by someone saying, yeah, but what's a lead? Uh, and then you'd sort of say, well, this is what a lead is. And they, well, actually, that's what you call a lead. That's not what we would call a lead. And that used to just, just throw off every conversation to the point at which you didn't necessarily want to go and present your campaigns. How that changed for us was actually um, when we implemented marketing automation and we had to go through a process of defining what a lead was marketing and sales sat down in the room together and it was brilliant I I just felt like a weight off my shoulders we were again going for the same thing it made complete sense but we defined the lead we said right this is when it's a lead this is the point at which it should be passed over to sales and not before and we will revisit it if we need to and we never had that conversation again. Well, and it brings you know us back to a comment that we made at the onset of the discussion here was you know the fact that all too often marketing is not talking to sales. So you just gave us gave us a great example how ultimately what you did to create more success by getting everyone in the same room at the same time. Yeah, exactly. And it was as easy as that. Now, one thing I failed to mention earlier uh, in our discussion is that you are MarTech's, uh, you made the list of MarTech's top 50 influential women. So congratulations on that. Thank you. You've shared so much insight with us today on that. And along with it, you know, this is appropriate. How do you stay ahead of the constant marketing innovation and change out there. I'm a bit of a podcast junkie. I find that um, for me, it's a really good way of staying up to date. Um, Plus it's, you know, I do it when I listen to them when I'm in the car and when I'm walking to and from the office. Um, And um, things move so quickly. It's, It's for me, it's sort of where I get the sort of next best ideas and recommendations. And I read, um, I read a a number of marketing books and really it comes back to that talking to other people. You know, it's the, um, just having conversations with people. It it sounds obvious. Amazing what you can learn, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, I was um, involved in a discussion recently about the power of networking and um, just networking and uh, getting to know people through just simple channels. One of my goals for the year is that I attend a networking event each week, which is a lot if you think about it. Yeah. Um, because I don't give myself a reprieve if I'm on vacation or if I'm traveling. You know, I just need to make up that week, the following week, or, or whenever I can. 
and I'm holding true, uh, holding true to it. Uh, and I found it to be incredibly effective uh, for not only building awareness surrounding this show, uh, but helping drive some leads for some of our customers even. It's really a very powerful thing. And it's rewarding, isn't it, as well? It it's is. enjoyable. It really is. We're closing in, I can't believe it, at the end of our conversation here. And can you share with us what you feel is one of the most frustrating elements of marketing today? Yeah, sure. I think that the most frustrating thing today is the feeling that everybody else is moving a lot faster than you. Everybody's implementing AI and machine learning and they're doing it within their account-based marketing strategy when you're feeling like actually you're just trying to get the first contacts into your database. I think that's frustrating and I think that I have, I spoke at an event last year actually about the marketing maturity curve and when I introduced the curve and there was four stages in it, the most basic being sort of the, the most elementary first stage. When I asked most the audience where they were, very, very few were doing any advanced marketing. Most of them were at the very beginning of the curve. Right. And it's that feeling that you're way behind, but the reality is you're not. Everybody else is in the same place that you are. You know, the, excuse me, the conversation has started, right? And, and that's yeah. um, exactly what you were able to glean with the audience that day. Holly Gage, it has been such an incredible conversation today. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, your intuition, and spending time with the Integrate and Ignite audience. Let's not forget the customer is in charge and they expect you to know them. Thank you for your time. Thank you. This episode is complete, but the inspiration has just begun. Head over to avocetcommunications.com for show notes and more aha moments. Tune in regularly to ignite your integrated business and marketing strategies with Lori Jones and the Integrate and Ignite podcast.